He's amused Cam Newton. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tario. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. He, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sandwich. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. Welcome to a Thursday Drive, where today's show is too big to fail. State coach Dave Doran will join us in 15 minutes. And a little later this hour, BDOT will make his weekly in-studio visit. But before we get into all that, we must start with the team right across the parking lot from Doran's home of Carter-Finley Stadium. You know, when people joke that a best-of-seven series is over after just two games, that's usually worth a good laugh, and rightfully so. However, everywhere you look in life, there are exceptions to the rule. And I feel comfortable saying today, Canes Bruins is one of those. Boston, they are finished. And I think Boston even knows it. Because not only did they get run again last night, they tried to skirt the rules and bully the Canes. And even target their goalies. Look at some of those examples. Pasternak running right into Ranta. Probably should have been a five-minute penalty. He only got two for it. If you didn't feel it was intentional, please explain to me what he was doing with his arms watching that replay. Brad Marchant, if you felt there was any doubt what Boston was trying to do, he cross-checked Kuchetkov, who I'm still not comfortable using his nickname on the show. I know what Kuchetkov's nickname is. I'm just telling you, not completely comfortable using that nickname as shorthand for him on the show. Those are just a few examples, and it clearly didn't work. Every time Boston tried to rough up Carolina, Carolina always had a firm response while never, ever, ever stooping down to their level. After the collision with Ranta, an understandable response would be, let's drop gloves. Let's try to rough up Boston, even if it means taking a dumb penalty and going to the box. Carolina didn't do that. They went to the power play. Not so long after that, they scored not one but two goals to jump in front, two to nothing. They kept their composure. When Boston scored to make it three to one, Carolina slammed Lindholm, the Boston defender, Andrei Svechnikov, with as hellacious and clean as a hit you're going to find in the playoffs. Wiped him out, and how did Boston respond? The way you might expect Carolina to respond to their goaltender getting wiped out, they lost their minds. They cried. They overreacted. They went right after Carolina thinking it was dirty. It was as clean as it clean as a whistle. And because Boston didn't keep their composure and didn't like a taste of their own medicine that they were trying to dish out, Carolina took them right out of the game. Boston was, they were back in it 3-1. to one. After that penalty, following the Andre Svechnikov hit, Carolina scores, essentially putting that game away. This was Tony D'Angelo after the game talking about Boston trying to rough up Carolina a bit to take them out of their game. Well, we're not going to get pushed around, guarantee you that, but uh, I thought we did a real good job of being disciplined after the whistles. I thought we were staying out of the stuff. You want to try to pull us into it, but we went to power plays instead. So we did a real good job of that, and we're just playing the game in between the whistles, and then... If we're going to go to the power play, we got to capitalize. I thought we did a pretty good job on it tonight. Obviously, there's still room to keep improving there, but you score two power play goals in a game, you win a special teams battle. It's uh, usually come out on the winning end. A new count, a new update on the aggregate. Five meetings counting the regular season between the Canes and Bruins. Carolina 26, Boston 4. It's a blatant talent mismatch. How can you feel in any kind of way if you root for Boston? or just follow the NHL and don't have a rooting interest, that they are going to bounce back and turn this series around and beat Carolina four of the next five games. It's just not going to happen. Consider last night a white flag. Boston, their time is done. Not going to go full Herb Brooks miracle speech. Please tell me you at least get that reference, Will. I'm just not going to comment on that. You haven't seen Miracle? No. Herb Brooks? 
<laughs> Are heard, you kidding me? I've the heard 1980? about it. All right, just turn your mic off. <laughs> Boston's gotten old. Bergeron's 36. Marchand turns 34 next week. This is not the same team that beat Carolina in four two years ago. Like three years ago. Wow, this time fly. A couple years back, losing in the bubble. No Chara anymore. No David Krejci. The Canes, meanwhile, have many of those same guys that were 18 and 21 years old in 2019, and they've now matured into their primes. Jacob Slavin, right there at 26, 27 years old. Ajo's 24. Andrei Svechnikov couldn't drink now. How about it? Congratulations to him. And these guys on Boston, they just can't hang with them. It is, there are three-fourths of the Canes lineup should scare you. When I look at Boston's lineup, not even half that lineup scares me anymore. And that's why it's 26-4 to through five games. And as a Carolina Hurricanes fan, this might be one of the more satisfying playoff series I can ever remember. Now, obviously, old enough to remember the Stanley Cup win in 2006. But since then, this might be as good as it gets because Boston's so hateable. It feels like the entire NHL is behind what Carolina's doing. Who, as a hockey fan that does not root for the Canes, roots against the Canes? I don't know who that is. I don't know who hates Carolina, except maybe Don Cherry. He's still mad about the storm surge, which they did after the game last night. Enjoyed that. But Boston, whether it's Marchand or their fans, oh, there's so much to dislike. They might be the most hated team in the state of North Carolina if you root for all the pro sports teams that we've got. They've been such a roadblock. And Carolina's going to beat them, and it's enjoyable to watch it be so blatant, to watch it be so lopsided, to watch them try all that garbage and for it not to work and for it to be shoved right back in their face in the form of Svechnikov. I loved it. The Bruins are finished, and I think they know it. On Twitter at WSJS Sports, if you want in, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. So I'm not usually one of those guys to say a series is over after two games. Generally, I'm also not a guy who's going to come on the radio and say, I'll tell you what's real interesting. ACC spring meetings, that's where the good stuff is. On its face, that just doesn't sound very exciting. But next week's meetings at Amelia Island, a great exception to that. Because I sense during those three or four days, it's going to be eventful. Don't forget, this is the first time they've had those meetings in three years. So you can imagine that there's some, shall I say, pent-up frustration within the conference. Obviously, these will be the first meetings conducted by Jim Phillips, his first spring meetings as ACC commish. And here are some of the issues I feel pretty certain he's going to be hearing about. Pitt football coach Pat Narduzzi is going to be there. How do you think he feels about what's happening with Jordan Addison? This is actually something I want to talk about with Dave Doran when he joins us in a little over five minutes. How much does this give coaches pause across the conference about what could happen in the age of NIL? It seems like college sports leaders realize they have a problem and they're trying to fix it. Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated reported a couple days ago that meet leaders were meeting to try and find some sort of solution underneath the NCAA umbrella. SEC uh, Commissioner Greg Sankey has flown down to Washington, D.C. to see if there is a an answer they can find in Congress. I think the Pac-12 Commission, George Klyovkov, was on that plane as well, or, or at least flying down there to meet with Greg Sankey. So that's going to be a big discussion point. If I'm Steve Forbes, I'll tell you one thing I want to bring up. Why the heck did I not make the tournament? How did that happen? How do I win 13 ACC games and I'm watching Duke and Carolina in the Final Four? Carolina, whom I beat it, beat by 22 points this year and watching Miami in these teams. How, how did I not make the tournament? Like, well, what happened there? And if I'm Steve Forbes, I want some answers to those questions. And that might be something I bring up at ACC meetings. And one major item on the agenda, and you bet this is something we're going to bring up to Dave Doran shortly, football divisions. Are they going to go away? That's going to be a topic. I've always been in favor of eliminating divisions. 
because I think the two best teams should be playing in the title game. And so many times, we have not gotten that. There will be like a seven or an eight-win team out of the Coastal going up against Clemson. And so clearly, the second-best team in the Atlantic was also the second-best team in the conference. And in many cases, that second-best team was NC State. I don't think I've talked with Dave Doran on that issue, but we'll see what if Doran's going to play ball with that in just a little bit. That's something to pay close attention to. And it's also kind of ridiculous that North Carolina and Wake don't play as often as they should. They had to play back-to-back years non-conference play. Duke and NC State go seven years without playing each other. That, that That's another flaw with it, too. So you know that's going to be an issue brought up at ACC meetings. And how about sitting here on Cinco de Mayo? Happy Cinco de Mayo to everyone out there. Enjoy a mark a little bit later. We still don't have the ACC headquarters issue resolved yet. This is supposed to be over by the end of 2021, I was told initially. And then, oh, no later than the end of March. And then a couple weeks ago, the Luke DeCock story from the Raleigh NNL, it'll be voted on and resolved by the end of April. Well, we're here. We're here the first Thursday of May. And, well, where are we? This is still not resolved? Come on. Maybe that gets resolved in Amelia Island. But can't believe I'm saying this. Kind of weird. A 2-0 series lead, enough to say that a series is over. And I am fascinated by ACC spring meetings. What have I become? I got one word for him and one word only. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Connor O'Neill hanging out in studio with us. You know his work from Deacon Illustrated. Covers Duke as well. You were at Shire's press conference earlier this week. Indeed. We'll get to some of the takeaways from that shortly, but I want to get your thoughts on what Dave Doran had to say on our show earlier today. If you missed that conversation, best of podcasts, or just on the podcast channel, search The Drive with Josh Graham, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. I've said this about the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm not usually the guy to say that a series is over after just two games, but there are exceptions, and this might be one of those exceptions. I'm not usually a guy that says spring meetings. Let's talk about it on the radio. This sounds great. Doesn't really sound that exciting, but next week feels like an exception because, dare I say, there's some pent-up frustration with the fact that we haven't had these meetings in like three years, and Pat Narduzzi's pissed off because he just lost his Bolitnikoff winner. That, that guy's got to be a fireball of rage at this point. Steve Forbes is probably a fireball of rage. He probably wants to ask people in the room, how did I beat the national finalist by 22 points and win 13 ACC games and not make the bleeping tournament? So there are a lot of issues that are probably going to get brought up here. Probably. And I, I'm sure this is something that maybe gets hashed out while they're at Amelia Island. I was told, end of 2021, ACC headquarters issue going to be figured out. We're going to know where the ACC is headed. It's going to be Orlando. Is it going to be Charlotte? Going to stay in Greensboro? Then I was like, well, you know, we had to get the university presidents to vote on this thing. And now that we know that they can listen to other schools, this won't be done. This will be done by the end of March. March at the latest. And then mid-April, we get the Luke DeCock story. Well, by the end of April... They're going to have a vote, and it's going to be either Charlotte, Orlando, or Greensboro. I look at my watch. It's Cinco de Mayo. Ay, 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 ay. We still haven't figured it out. Let's have Margs. It's Cinco de Mayo, and we still don't have a resolution on where these bleeping headquarters are going to be, Connor O'Neill. I just want you to clip that, whatever that noise was. That will be clipped. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Will. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that might be one of the best sounds I've ever heard you make. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't appreciate that at all. I've been speaking on the radio for years, and that's the best sound that's that the best I just you made can right do. there. Come on now. So that's something that needs to be resolved. But here's Dave Doran talking about something we know is going to be debated, the topic of divisions. When I brought it up to Mac Brown, he said, oh, in the Big 12, we didn't have divisions, and I hated it. And I like the, th the way things are. 
I brought that quote to Dave Clawson. Dave Clawson said, if Mac Brown was in the Atlantic, he would feel a lot different than he does. <laughs> Dave Doran's in the Atlantic, and this is what he had to say. I think it's tremendously unfair for a player to come here and not ever play against a team in our league. Like, in some cases, that team is Duke. We, we go seven years without playing them, you know, and they're 30 minutes from us. So Virginia, Virginia Tech are drivable games, and, and same thing. You know, it's every seven years we'll play those teams. I, I think that that is a bad format. Uh, whether that means getting rid of the uh, – divisions or changing how they're they're put together or allowing us to play more games, changing the rotation. I, I think the current format doesn't make sense. Um, personally, if you're asking me, I would tell you that I would love to get rid of them. I'd love to see the best two teams at the end of the year play each other for the, uh, the conference championship. I think as a competitor, that makes the most sense to me. The teams with the top two records at the end of the year fight it out for who's the king. I agree with everything Dave Doran just said. It, it makes me uncomfortable because I, I have my druthers with some of the things that Dave Doran has said and, and kind of the way he goes about some of the things that he goes about. But, yeah, I, I would love it. And in, the the kicker to me is it's not like – Divisionless ACC is this great unknown. We just had a divisionless ACC two years ago. And you and just so happened to get two teams into the college football playoff, too. Exactly. And look, remove the Notre Dame from the equation. Like, remove just, okay, we had them in 2020. It was a rental. Great. We don't need them for, for the divisionless ACC. Just have 14 teams. Make sure that. You're playing teams that are within your region as often as possible. Like I understand that's not entirely in the realm of possibilities for for some ACC schools. Like sometimes you're going to have to travel a lot, but yeah, like and especially with the Duke NC State stuff, and and on the flip side with the Wake Carolina thing, a non-conference like, Wake Forest North Carolina game happened in the last few years. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Al almost two, but COVID moved things around. 2020, an example that shows us that you can play regional opponents and everything's okay, and you can have divisionless football. It's fine, too. This is Dave Doran when asked about the Jordan Addison situation and how that gives him pause. You know, it worries me that uh, the tampering that's occurring more than anything. Um, you know, if a young man's not happy where he is or, and wants to go somewhere else or needs a fresh start, I, I'm not against that at all. Um, but when other universities uh, are potentially contacting that athlete through other means and using financial gain to lure them off of the campus, that to me is the opposite of what should be happening on our sport. And so that's it's concerning. You know, I feel for Pitt. You know, they recruited that young man and developed him and turned him into a Blitnikoff award winner with his hard work and their coaching staff, and now he's not there. Yeah. Did you know I was a Blitnikoff voter? Well, that's the word on the street. Just <laughs> throwing that out there. Uh, no, so Dave Doran saying some things that I think a lot of coaches would agree with. Yeah, that's uh, I, this the 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 problematic part was you have NIL and you have guys like Tyler Linderbaum making five or six figures and giving it all back to the Iowa Children's Hospital. That's great. That is. Sam Howell did some Wonderful. similar things, taking out offensive linemen and things of that nature. And and you have, you know, A.T. Perry had a, on a smaller scale, A.T. Perry had an autograph session that I'm sure he made a, a few hundred or a couple thousand bucks from and, in Winston-Salem a couple weekends ago. And that is that is your name. You're A.T. Perry. I'm going to be at this thing. I'm signing autographs. That's right. what that is. The problem is now it's morphed into this pay-for-play where you have – seven-figure deals going to a, a receiver who maybe Jordan Addison is is what he is uh, at USC, the the same that he was last year. Maybe, you know, maybe Kenny Pickett made him really good. Maybe Pitt, relying on Jordan Addison, made Jordan Addison the Bolitnikoff winner. Like, no, but the irony of what you say is this. If he's offered $3 million, hypothetically by USC and he goes out that way, NIL is supposed to be about marketing, your name, all these things. Hey, I'm going to be on billboards, commercials, do all this stuff. The irony of it all, and what's funny about it to me, 
the idea, if you've ever been to Los Angeles in the last decade, last 15 years, you're not seeing a lot of college sports stuff anywhere. <laughs> the idea that someone's going to say with a straight face, oh, this is NIL. It's an NIL deal, $3 million for Jordan Addison. Nobody knows who Jordan Addison is. Yeah. Like that name doesn't, that name rings hollow. And it's not because of Jordan Addison, he's a great player. A Pittsburgh wide receiver is making three mil, making more than any assistant in college football this year because of NIL. That's what this is. Yeah. You're right. Like we need to we need to be better about talking about th- these things. What it is, players are being bought. That's it. This isn't NIL. Players are being bought. And that's what's happening with Jordan Addison. I don't know how you fix it. <laughs> we could point out problems. I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's really the issue is, I mean, we're not the ones who should be coming up with the solutions, but I'm not sure the people that should be coming up with solutions even know where to start with this. I've got some uh, really stunning audio from the Dave Doran conversation. Dave Doran said something really funny, like intentionally. I'm ready to laugh. Said something funny. Let's hear Dave Doran. Yeah, I mean, I went out deep sea fishing over spring break and and we caught a bunch of bottom fish nothing that i would brag about but it was good to eat but i haven't had anything worth talking about on the radio but i'm looking forward to getting back out there here soon i got scammed i was out in puerto vallarta and they said hey here's a here's a fishing excursion you're going to go out for four or five hours we go out and we don't catch a damn thing guy didn't catch a damn thing and we're out there for four or five hours getting sunburnt didn't catch anything out there in puerto vallarta mexico well, hopefully you caught a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. Dave Dorn said a funny thing. That might be the funniest thing Dave Dorn's ever said. It's the dry delivery for me. It's great. That puts it over the top. Well, buddy, hope you had some Coronas. <laughs> hope you had a Modelo or two out there. Hope that's what you were drinking. Uh, let's get to John Shire. So you were at his press conference earlier this week. And in listening to it, my takeaways were, starting with Trevor Keels, they are saying, oh, man, yeah, go all in. NBA, this is what you need to be doing. But the actions tell me you're this recruiting machine that brings in all these five-star players. You have a shooting guard position that's theoretically open because you're telling this guy to go all in on the NBA. And the two guys that you've signed are... Reserve players from Northwestern and Harvard. They know something. And I think what they know is that Trevor Keels, if I had to put a percentage number on it, more than 50% chance he's coming back to Duke. I would agree with that. Um, I, I would, John Shire bringing up Trevor Keels unprompted yes. and not talking about any of the other four guys. Like there, there are five early entrants into the NBA draft from Duke. Trevor Keels was the only one mentioned on Tuesday until, like, I think Chris Carrawell brought up Paolo and how much money he made from NIL and basically saying, like, I still don't know how much money Paolo made from those deals that he did. But, yeah, it, and and it's like it's one of those scenarios where you have somebody say the words, but then you also have to put just as much weight in what they don't say and what is not said, which is basically – Trevor is look he he's he's an NBA projectable prospect. Like mm-hmm. he he does he has an NBA body right now. Uh he doesn't shoot as well as he should if he wants to be in the NBA. He probably doesn't handle the ball well enough to be able to play the point at some points. So He's he's the one who's kind of on the outside of the first round projections. I just saw The question is do you want to be playing for the Greensboro Swarm? Or do you want the opportunity to be a legit household name, making legit actual NIL opportunities because you play at Duke on ESPN every game? And the important thing, to, there are a couple important things to remember here where you'll, you know, hopefully I'm not giving false hope to any Duke fans, but it's it's important to know. The way it's been explained to me was Trevor Keels is the one who grew up a Duke fan and actually pushed Jeremy Roach when Jeremy Roach, because Jeremy Roach is a year older, Kind of was like, hey, Jeremy, you know, I'm I'm a Duke fan. Go to Duke and we can play together. And that's that's kind of been my childhood team. And it's so true. Like if you talk to the guy uh, and we have like the way he talks about Cameron 
and like the experience and all of it, it's it's legitimate. You can tell. It's not like one of these things where he's just getting through one season of college. No. The first sentence of his announcement on Twitter, I think it was, was like this has been a childhood dream come true, or maybe childhood was not in there, but this has been a dream come true to play it play at Duke and mm-hmm. play in Cameron. The other part of it is we don't have the figures, we don't have the numbers on how much the Duke players made from NIL. I would venture a guess to say Trevor Keels made the second most money on Duke for NIL last year behind Paolo. Paolo had the NBA 2K deal. He had a car deal. Trevor was out there. Like, Keel mode was a brand. Like he And he talked at the Final Four. I don't know if you were in his breakout room when he was talking about it, but he talked specifically about the value that he placed in trusting his parents to sign all that stuff and broker those deals. And like they were his co-signers and he talked about having a stable foundation. And I think that's the thing that you consider where he's like, he's not, he's not coming from a place where he needs to go to the NBA to make money. And that's what that to, to bring it back to the benefit of NIL. Like that's, that's what NIL is. Zion Williamson would be playing a second year at Duke, would have played a second year at Duke if if NIL existed. I right. will always believe that because of the same thing. His parents didn't need it. He didn't need to do it. He could still sign that Nike deal and go back to Duke, and he probably would have done that. See, I didn't get a chance to hear what the other assistants had to say. You mentioned what Carowell mentioned there. So it was Carowell. It's uh, Emil Jefferson. It's uh, Jay Lucas from Kentucky. Oh, by the way, another takeaway from Shire. If you think they're going to start recruiting differently, one and done, uh, look at the these next two recruiting classes, number one. And number two, look at the recruiting rankings among assistants. After Shire last year, according to 24-7, Jay Lucas, the second best recruiter, and he came from Kentucky, which, as we know, recruits the one and done. So that's not going to change. But talking to Jay Lucas, Mike Schrage, former Elon head coach, the pride of Elon. I know you're a proud Elon guy. <laughs> Emil Jefferson, what, what were some of the highlights from the assistants? I loved Jay Lucas kind of educating us about his roots in Durham. Um, his dad's John Lucas II. Not only that, his grandfather is, is John Lucas. John Lucas is still with us. Was is is 101 years old. After Tuesday's press conference, I think Jay's Jay was out of there to go visit his grandfather, who he hadn't seen yet since coming back to the area. You know. I, it's a whirlwind when these guys get hired, uh, as it is for anybody that changes jobs. But his grandfather uh, in the 50s and 60s was one of the state leaders in pushing for school segregation and was the principal at Hillside High School in Durham, where John Lucas II went and was eventually the president of Shaw University. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know any of that. Um, Jay was talking, and, and it was – the the quote uh, I'm gonna paraphrase I'm not gonna try to get it the exact words but he was like yeah everybody gives my dad credit and like my dad's well known for being the number one overall pick and and everything he's done in the NBA but really it's my grandfather who's the superstar of the family see and I don't even think about like the NBA what I think about is Maryland and he was a part of the greatest ACC game ever in '74 and then State. and then as my dad pointed out on the phone the other day was all American tennis player. <laughs> All-American in two sports. I mean, how did how, that's that's some incredible athleticism no matter what decade you're playing. So that was that was really fun to to hear from Jay. Um Mike Shragi is interesting. Mike Mike Shragi, I'm I'm got a story percolating on basically his role is undefined at this point. He he's hired to a position that didn't previously exist, right? Special assistant to the head coach is something that Wake Forest has had in the last couple of years. Like I'm familiar with what Wake Forest's Ernie Nestor. Yeah, and now it's um Dustin Woodley, I believe, is in that role. Right. Here's how it's been described to me. Mike Trogi is he he's the guy who brings the air quote head coaching experience to the staff. And what I've been told is you don't even realize how much that stuff matters until you're in some of these meeting rooms and you're trying to deal with some of the little detail stuff of how to run a practice or do some of these things on the road. Jeff Lebo was very important to Hubert Davis, I've been told by multiple people this year, in bringing that. And Mike Schrage's going to have that. And he's going to travel on the road for games. He's not going to – the only thing he doesn't do is travel for recruiting. And he was and that's very it. He's very excited about not having to go into – Yeah, and he's – I think – I hope I'm not talking too much out of school here. I think he's 
a lot of it has to do with his with his son being a senior in high school yep. and wanting to watch him play more sports. And I think there, I think he might even be commuting from like Burlington still to go to Durham to his job every day because he doesn't want his kid to change schools and do all these things that we just kind of take for granted with coaches. Like, oh yeah, of course the family's going to be uprooted to do all these things. So it makes sense in that regard what Mike's role is. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but Duke's coaching staff tends to get mined for head coaching jobs. So that's still something that's probably on the table for Mike if he wants to be an assistant eventually, but just not right now. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is, I mean, Jay Lucas is a great hire. Jay Lucas is is a recruiting coup as much as it is to sign any five star. But is Jay Lucas going to be at Duke in five years? Or Chris Carowell. Or Chris Carowell. So, Connor O'Neill, time flies by. Appreciate you being in here, buddy. Thank you. And go O's. Hey, hey, what's all the commotion? You're on the drive with Josh Graham. If you can't be at least mildly interesting, then shut the hell up. On WSJS Sports. Steven Jackson, Charlotte Bobcats great, had something to say on social media about the Charlotte Hornets current coaching opening. BDOT's hanging out in studio for one more segment with us. Make sure you have the Tar Heel fight song lined up because I'm I'm sure Dot has something to say about his heels like he does each week as the sixth man of Tar Heel basketball. But this is what Steven Jackson wrote. Dear at Hornets, I love being part of the alumni, but please, if you hire Dan Phoney, we will not win. Mello, going to get his numbers, of course, but show me when the last time Dan Phoney won anything. So many other coaches out there with playing and coaching experience. Sam Cassell, Rashid Wallace, Damon Stoudemire, and so many more. Just saying, he ain't it. Talking about Mike D'Antoni, who was named by Woj a couple days ago as a front runner for the Charlotte coaching job. First off, is Steven Jackson the greatest Bobcat ever? Really, it's three names. Gerald Wallace would like to step into the chat. Yeah, it's Gerald Wallace, it's Emeka Okafor, it's Steven Jackson. That's generally the debate. Gosh, man. That Emeka Okafor run was just so heartbreaking. Whew. That Bobcats run in totality was just a, just a, where's your little men in black red bulb to just forget all about all of it. That's Damn really you, what Bob they did. Johnson. They had a press conference and – they're like, we're, we're just going to act like this Bobcat <laughs> stuff never happened. I think Bomani oh. compared it to 2 chains. once upon a time. It's like, you know, all, all that they needed was a name change. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't reference on the radio yeah. what his last name was, but yeah. I don't think if he kept that name, he'd be as big as he is today. Fair. Just worth throwing that out there. Get on the Google, kids. Actually, don't do that, kids. Yeah, Google it. This is a strange drive-by. Steven Jackson wetting the block here. <laughs> Man, is that the only way you're going to use all day? Well, no, I mean, it's what it is. He is, like, he never played for Mike D'Antoni. He's right, though. I had to go back and check. He's not right. He's right in the idea that Mike D'Antoni hasn't won anything, and Mike D'Antoni, like, Melo's going to get off. Like, I don't. I got breaking news. I don't agree with the other names that he threw out there for coaching yeah Rasheed Wallace is a year removed from coaching high school <laughs> yeah. yeah like I mean I, I, I like I like what you tried to do there but no but like Mike D'Antoni like he always is known for putting a lot of points up but not ever holding up that that, that trophy here's the, the thing though this you're right you're right he's not won an NBA title but the thing is you're the Charlotte Hornets you're not getting a guy that's won titles you just you're just not hmm. like if you're the Lakers, sure, don't bring in Mike D'Antoni because of that, right? If you're the Boston Celtics, don't do it. But you're the organization that's never made it to a conference finals before. Right. So let's not act like that's what the standard is for Charlotte. We're trying to win championships. Shut up. <laughs> what a playoff series. Like, think about it. Yeah. You know how people lionize those 90s, those 90s Hornets teams with – who is it? Zoe. Grandma. Gra- yeah. Muggsy you, you Bogues. Got, yeah. All Dale those Curry, guys. How great were they? They were awesome. JRE, okay. They won Monster one. Mash. They won one playoff series. Oh. Right. But they looked good doing the, it. You're right. The bar for Hornets basketball is be fun. And they were this past year. And then Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak said that wasn't good enough. And they yeah. want to get better than that. And Mike D'Antoni has coached over 1,200 games. And he's won 56% of those games. 
and he's been a two-time coach of the year. And Steve, and Steve Nash's first two years in his offense, he was the MVP of the league. And James Harden won an MVP for Mike D'Antoni. I haven't won an MVP for anybody else. Last I checked. Hmm. So it's this guy knows every decision the Hornets make need to be based on what's best for LaMelo Ball. Keep that dude happy. Keep that dude happy and make that dude progress and get better. And that's what Mike D'Antoni does. And the team will probably get better as a result. They won a lot of games. They almost they were a game short twice of the of the NBA finals in Houston. In Houston. Now, from that perspective, Josh Graham, you're very accurate. Uh, it's a very good point. Like, I agree. Like, I'm saying, again, what Jack said was accurate. Mike D'Antoni has not – he's not known for winning the big thing. That's his knock. You get a lot of dubs in the regular season, but you don't get to win that ship. However, to that point, you're right. That's all the Hornets need right now. They need the experience of winning in the playoffs. Like, we have not done that. So, I agree with you on that. Okay. Now let's rev you up a bit because hmm. – we said a week ago, it could help Carolina if something opened up in the portal. And it has. Oh, my God. And man. I'm just interested. Do you think – I see some people saying, no, nah, it should be Puff's job. He should be the starting four. We're better off finding a better reserve five for Mondo. I think they need to find someone to replace Manic. still. What do you want to see in the portal? I want to see whatever Coach Davis wants to see. Just like last year. Last year, I didn't know who Brady Manick was. You didn't? I had no clue. I'd never heard his name before ever. And people on my timeline tell me, oh, people knew about him in Oklahoma. I didn't. I'm telling you, I didn't. Me. I'm talking about me. I didn't know about Brady Manick. Now I'll never forget him. You know why? Because Coach Hubert Davis went and found him in the portal. And I am 100% confident that whoever Coach Hubert Davis finds in the portal will be what Carolina needs next season. We are fine. Let's enjoy being fans. Let's enjoy. And I I just want to sit and wait on who they choose. Because I don't want to put all my eggs in there. I hope we get him. I hope we get him. Then they get somebody else. And I'm saying, oh, man, we should have got him. That's we why don't I gave you know, three players. But I don't need your three players. Because what if they get somebody outside them three players? Okay? What if anything happened? What if, what if, what if J.R. Reed, or not J.R. Reed, J.R. Smith transfers to Carolina and got a year of eligibility and can play for the Tar Heels? Huh? Whoa. What about that? Whoa. Bring him on. He couldn't do that. He could not come. Well, he, he could, could actually. He cannot. He doesn't have any eligibility in college. He's already played professionally. Yeah, yeah. Stop it. Stop trying to figure <laughs> that out. It doesn't work, you silly. Nevertheless, hey, we are fine, okay? Next year we got Seth Trimble. Have y'all heard about Seth Trimble yet? Have I talked about him enough? J.P. Tokato's little brother. Oh, He's J.P. Tokato's athleticism with Joel Berry's game. That's what he is. Joel Berry mm. and J.P. Tokido. He's Joel Tokido. He's going to be off the chain. His name's Self Tremble. Get ready for it. Tar! Exciting. B-Dot is excited. I am excited, man. We got football up next. That's something else, too, Carolina family. And don't forget. Who's the quarterback? Who knows? <laughs> but I know that I can never root for Sam again. I'm happy for him, but I can never root for him again. Cowboy fan. You know it. Every time I mention the Hornets, we get a call from Wayne in Greensboro, and I respect it about Wayne. He's just ready. Oh, like Wayne his bat signal. It's like a bat <laughs> signal in the sky. <laughs> like Bruce Wayne. We bring up, yes. Wow. Look what you did there. <laughs> Wayne, what do you got? Are you about uh, Mike D'Antoni? God, I, I, my favorite candidate is anybody, ABD, anybody but D'Antoni. Really? We did this before. We did it with Larry Brown. We bring somebody in. It was terrific 15 years ago. And when the NBA has changed, whatever he, success he had was in the past. We need someone now that can relate to today's players and run the systems that are successful today, mm. not ones that were successful 15 years ago. That's a good point, Wayne. Who do you have in? Do you got somebody in mind? Yeah, Atkinson or, or the assistant up in uh, – Milwaukee would be terrific. Ham. His yeah, last name's Ham. Ham. Coach Ham. Hmm. They about to go Ham. <laughs> yeah, I would like All right, too. thanks for the call, Wayne. Appreciate that. I like Wayne. Here's my problem with that, though. What? The stuff that they're running today was the stuff 15 years ago that D'Antoni was running that they said, oh, no, well, that's just crazy talk. You can't win that way. With you two can't guards, play. like with Chris Paul and James Harden at the same time? Yeah, you can't. Like, the way Golden State's playing right now, as quickly as they're going. Like, Phoenix was doing that stuff in the mid-2000s. People are like, well, that's crazy talk. You can't win that way. So, 
I, I, I agree conceptually that it didn't work out when it comes to Larry Brown, but Larry Brown wasn't nearly as forward, forward thinking, as innovative as I, I found and continue to find Mike D'Antoni to be. I'll, I'll plant my flag on this. I'm fine on it. Sounds I, like I think it. D'Antoni would be a great hire. Good enough that I, it justifies letting James Borrego go. And there are not a lot of hires that I look at as justifying that because I thought JB did a really nice job. I did too. I I didn't I didn't like JB leaving or or being. Oh, sent he didn't home. leave. That's what I meant. Being sent home, you know. But um, I agree with you. I, I I think you make some very good points about D'Antoni. Like he isn't. I don't see us winning a championship with Mike D'Antoni. But to your point, who could come in and turn us into a championship team? Like that's tall task. Yeah. Oh man, I don't want to talk about Kyrie. Do we have to talk about what Kyrie, Kyrie do now? <sighs> He's on a podcast and he's saying, "quote I'm living the life of a martyr." Mm. End quote. Mm. When he couldn't play in home games for being v- unvaccinated against COVID nineteen. Hey Duke fans, y'all still y'all still claiming Kyrie? That's one of the funniest things ever. How Duke fans will come after State fans saying, "Oh, you can't claim Russell Wilson. He's uh, he played his final season at Wisconsin. He's a Wisconsin Badger." Well, Russell played more games, or yeah, Russell Wilson played more games in football as a Wisconsin Badger than Kyrie played in basketball at mm. Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Kyrie played in 11 games. Brotherhood for life. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, 11 games. Jalen Johnson, brotherhood for life. Where is he at now? I think he's in Atlanta. Hmm. I think so. Dot, appreciate you popping in. I know that you've had a crazy week of travel. Um, thanks for getting, coming in as always, buddy. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. That is Dot, the sixth man of Carolina basketball. Shoot him a follow on Twitter at Dot. I need the advice of a professional. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Dealer's Choice, B-Dots in studio, sixth man of Tar Heel basketball. You want to talk about Chris Paul or do you want to play grammar school right now? It don't matter. Either way, it's a win, baby. Woo, that boy CP. You know he's going to go. They're going up 3 nothing. They're going up 3 nothing. Yeah, I think they're going to win that series. I don't think it's that close. It's going to be 3 nothing. Tomorrow is Chris's birthday. You think he's losing on his birthday? No. This is crazy to me. Phoenix was only leading by three mm. with 11 minutes left to go in that game. And then that's when Chris took over. Chris assisted or scored on every basket in the game-clinching 19-7 to run mm. that Phoenix had. He had 14 of the 19 points. Crazy down the stretch. Did what? some Chris Paul stuff defensively, too. And it looks like we're headed for a Phoenix-Golden State Conference Finals. I think it's going to be awesome, too. I, I, I'll be conflicted on who to root for in that. Obviously, you have the local tie with Chris, but Golden State has the best characters. They're the more, they're the most fun team to watch, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I think that'll produce the best conference finals. And they got Cam Johnson out there, baby. Listen, what Luca did to Cam yesterday though was illegal in thirty-two states. Did you see that? I didn't catch that when I was watching the Canes game. Oh my gosh, Will! What a terrible lie that you just told there. I know you watched the Canes, but the Canes game ended at nine thirty. Yes, they weren't on the same time. Phoenix and Golden (laughs) State was started like at ten. And I let it ride too. All right, well, finally. Oh yeah, I was busy watching the Canes. No, be not. Like, I didn't see what it's happened. It's like a hey, are you busy? Uh, no, I'm busy that day. I didn't say what day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was it was disrespectful to what he did for Cam. But what was crazy is after that, it's like CP took like the ultimate big brother role, and he just kept calling the pick and roll, and just kept getting whoever was guarding Luca, or whoever Luca was guarding. Chris called him in the pick and roll just so he could have the mismatch with Luca, and he single-handedly destroyed Luca's confidence that fourth quarter. It was amazing to watch. Couple news nuggets here. So after clobbering uh, Gary Payton Jr. or Gary Payton II, mm. who is going to be out for the next month, Dylan Brooks mm. suspended for Game Three mm. tomorrow night. I think that's deserved. Mm. If you're going to knock a guy out for the rest of the series, and it's a flagrant two. Yeah. Again, I don't think it was intentional. I definitely think he should suffer these consequences. I don't think it was intentional. Can I tell you a pet peeve, though? A pet peeve? Like, people say things aren't intentional, right? And 
I think it's important to say what you mean, and I think you did at the end of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end there, you said he didn't intentionally hurt him, mm-hmm. but he did intentionally hit him. Absolutely, he wanted to intentionally hit him hard. He wanted to foul him, which means you deserve whatever happens. Flagrant two, that's my, and you deserve yeah. to get suspended for this game. Yeah, that's fair. Right, that's the same thing that people were talking about with this player on the Canes or on the Bruins last night. Knocked out the Canes goalie, Antti Ranta, and people were like he didn't intentionally hurt him. Okay. Just because you didn't intentionally hurt him doesn't mean you didn't intentionally hit him. And if you if he did get hurt because you intentionally hit him, well, then you deserve what you get. That's why I agree with Draymond getting kicked out that game. He intentionally grabbed that man's jersey and pulled him out of the air. Like, that was intentional and excessive. So, no uh, Dylan Brooks for game three. That sucks. And um, no, or actually, Marchand's not suspended, but Marchand just got fined the maximum that you can get fined in the NHL, which is only $5,000. Mm. But he just got fined for cross-checking Kochekov, the Canes goalie, who I don't want to say what his nickname is on the radio. Coochie. I'll let B-Dot do it, any. he? I'll let B-Dot say it. So. It's Coochie. That's my man, Coochie. He protects the hole. <laughs> don't he? Ain't that what he does for the Canes? That's, that's, that's it. For the big Canes. Uh-huh, you got them big Canes out there, and my boy Coochie out there protecting the hole. Don't let nobody score in the coochie. It's time for grammar school. That's facts. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse. My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be 35. Josh is going to attempt to learn B-Dot's vernacular. I'm from the old school. I got a street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's time. For B. Dot's Grammar School. Yes, it is. Welcome back to another episode of Grammar School. I have three words or phrases here of the urban vernacular. And we just ask Josh Graham, does he know him? If he gets two out of three correct, that is a satisfactory grade for today. He does have a lifeline. He can use Will Dalton. We'll allow that. Or the audience. Or the audience. You can call up. 336-777-1600. That is correct. But and first, I've got I've got a word for you. There we go. A caucastic word yes. from Josh Graham. Actually, you know, it's not a word. This past weekend, I went to Merle Fest. That's where I went. And that's a bluegrass festival that has some country music, some folk music. You have two options here, Dot. <laughs> you can either tell us where Merle Fest is held each year or... Because that's been around for 35 years or so. Or you can name one bluegrass artist. Oh, my God. Whew. We're going to culture you today, Dot. First, I want to ask my man, Will Dalton. The WD. <laughs> WD. The WD. The WD. Do you know the answer to either one of these questions he just asked me? I don't. Yes. You know where Merle Fest is at. I told you this multiple oh. times. Oh, no, no, I know where it is. You can't say it. I only caught the end of that about, can I name an artist? Absolutely not. No, I know where it is. Okay, you know where Merle Fest is. Yeah. Had a great time, by the way. Okay, can I ask a a question, Josh Graham? To whom? To you. Sure. Is Merle Fest in North Carolina? Yes. Bluegrass, Mm -hmm. country music, and stuff like that. Bluegrass, country music, some folk. It's good stuff. Even the lead singer of, uh, the former lead singer of Minute Work was uh, performing, which was good. Colin Hay. Is there a Walmart in the city? I don't know. You don't know if there's a Walmart? How many stoplights are in the city where this is held? In I don't know. Merle. What is it called again? Merle. The only hint I'll give you, Dot, because I know you're fishing, Oh. is it's held at a community college. It's held at a community college. <laughs> and it's called Murphy Murphy Burl. Merle Fest. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> Merle Fest. Merle Fest is held in Alamance County, Josh Graham. It's held in, in Wilkesboro. Wilkesboro. Wilkesboro, which is south of Alamance County, is if you would have let me finish. See? Yeah. Wilkesboro. If you want to take a crack at uh, a bluegrass artist. Hell no. No. Okay. All right, give me give me three names, and I'll guess which one is the bluegrass artist. Go off the top of the dome. Give me three names. Okay. I'll okay. Give you, I'll give you three names. You've got... Um, let me think of some good ones. Gavin DeGraw. Gavin DeGraw. James Blunt. James Blunt. Billy Strings. Billy Strings. One of these are a bluegrass artists. Uh-huh. That's correct. 
Say them again. Gavin DeGraw. Gavin DeGraw. James Blunt. Is that DeGraw with an L at the end or a W? W. Okay. James Blunt. James Blunt. Billy Strings. Billy Strings. <laughs> Billy Strings? No way. Way too obvious. <laughs> the Blunt guy? <laughs> Smoking. But I don't think so. I'm going McGraw. Gavin Dugraw. That's what I said. Is not bluegrass. Billy Strings is bluegrass. That's what I meant. Billy Strings. All right. What's the first one for grammar school today? Nobody knew that. Did you know that, WD? I didn't know it, but my guess was the Strings guy. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Because you looked at me like, yeah, you should probably go Strings. Usually the one that seems obvious and you don't pick it because it seems too obvious, that's the one you should have gone with. Josh, let me give you some um, West Coast flay for your first question on grammar school today if i said if i tell you that i'm rocking my dickies with a cuff and a crease what does that mean crease. yeah i'm rocking my dickies with a cuff and a crease what that mean i think what that means your dickies are like a pair of jeans and you're cuffing your jeans at the bottom I don't think it means you're ironing them with the crease, but perhaps. But that's without getting too specific. You have to be specific. Okay, well, then I think it's you're wearing a pair of jeans and you're cuffing them on the bottom, and I guess you're ironing them too. Give them a bell for that. Let's go! That is 100% correct. Wow! 100% correct. I did it! That's what rocking my dick is with a cuff and a crease. I don't get a bell! Where's the bell? He didn't get his bell. He Give me a bell. bell. Here we I'll go. I'll find you a bell. Did you just talk to me and talk back <laughs> yeah, randomly? I, <laughs> I was okay. like, why wasn't my mic working for a second? Nevertheless, ding. Correct, Josh Graham. Okay. Josh, what's a backwood? Oh, sounds like that's a noun. Backwood. 336-777-1600. That's what Josh does when he doesn't know the answer. He throws the number out very swiftly. Backwood. Josh, what's a backwood? I went out in the backwoods and listened to Billy Strings. In no, Wilkesboro? He, he wasn't at Merle Fest this year. Sam Bush was, though. Was Sam Bush there? Yeah, he was great. Was he? Mm-hmm. Old, Pro, Old Crow Medicine Show. They sing Wagon Wheel. You know that song? No. Oh, you know Wagon Why Wheel. Why would I know Wagon Wheel? Rock me, mama, like a wagon wheel. Rock Never me, mama, anyway. Josh or Graham. Wow. That's a North Carolina anthem, man. Wagon Wheel? Yes, that's like the North Carolina anthem. That's not the North Carolina anthem. Sweet Caroline. Rah, rah, rah. That's the North Carolina anthem. That song, Everybody knows that. That song was written about, I think, President JFK's daughter. Who? I think. Sweet Caroline? Yeah. So what? We stole it. Well, I mean... They also play it at, like, Red Sox games, and they play it at Pittsburgh. That's not ours. I mean, we they people claim it, but Yeah, we come claim on. it. Wagon Wheel? Yes. Wagon Wheel. If I had to say there's a North Carolina anthem. You would not say Wagon Wheel. You I would say, say Wagon Pablo, Wheel. North Carolina is the freaking anthem. Everybody knows that. That, that transcends any race, age, or anything. Come on. Yes, yeah, so let's go to Kyle, the Amazon driver, who actually... Thinks he can help me. What's a oh. backwood, Kyle, the Amazon driver? He's an Amazon driver. He know what a backwood is. <laughs> Stop it, Doc. Stop it. All right. So what's my man, that, uh, he, uh, uh, the Flash? Josh, the wide receiver. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon has you believe that he is a swisher guy, swisher guy, but in reality, he's just a backwood guy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, though? Mm. I'm, you can tell me. You don't have to give me hints. You're you're my lifeline. Oh, you want me to just give it to you? Yes. It's the it's what you roll your 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 your, your chronic up in, Josh. Since okay. We're on the West Coast. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate West Coast, the West yeah, Coast spot. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the call, yeah, Kyle. The Amazon. Right. Thanks, Kyle. The Amazon driver. Yeah. I wish I would have had time to ask Kyle if he liked backwoods. Backwoods are so strong on your throat. Most people don't like them. What is a backwood, Josh? It's the paper you roll. Uh, Marijuana. That's correct. That's really not correct, Josh. That's it is what you roll marijuana okay, with. Okay, there you go. There you now I'll give you a bell for that. What you roll. Do we have a bell? <laughs> it's on what? that button bar right there. There it is. And there's your other bell. Thank you. It's a cigar though. It's like a leaf.
The backwoods are a leaf, so if you would have said paper one more time, you wouldn't have got that bill. Do you understand the difference? Understand. I understand. Finally, Josh Graham, what does it mean to wet the block? Oh, I think I heard this in a song. Hmm? Oh, no, that's bend the block. I heard Nicki Minaj say in a song recently. <laughs> what does bend the block mean? That means, like, circling the block. Well, um, actually, it just means turn around. Oh, yeah. We had that on grammar school. See, I don't know if you're retaining this information. No, 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 I am. And then we should do like there's a, a song called Handsomer that's popular. That I'm trying to think if that has a reference to wet the block in it. Hmm. I heard that song and thought I was writing down notes. This might be in grammar school. Handsomer? Yeah, it's a good song. Is it? Mm-hmm. Who sings Handsomer? Good question. It was on my Peloton ride this morning. Really? How often are you on your Peloton now? Five days a week. I've lost 22 pounds. Have you? He's crushing the start it. of the year. That's what's up, Joshua it. Graham. Handsomer is by Russ. Oh, Russ. Yeah. Now, Russ is a talented dude. Yeah. So He's from Winston. Han- oh, how about that? Handsomer. Russ. <laughs> Three, six, six. No, you've already used your wet, lifeline. Quit trying try to use another lifeline. Wet the block. And you don't get to use Will Dog. <laughs> wet the block. Yeah, you I'm going to say us. this is like, you say default to violence or guns if if it's um something that you're just guessing on. So I'll say if bend the block is like turn around, wet the block is like a drive-by situation where mm. you're like wetting the block with bullets. Is that your final answer? Yes. You went three for three today, Josh. No! <laughs> that was a guess. Let's you, go. You went three for three today, good oh, brother. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I got a haircut today. I'm feeling real nice. I'm feeling real nice. Wet the block is definitely a drive-by where you just shoot up the whole block. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you genuinely happy in here, folks. That's so great. Three for three today, Josh Graham. You can just Graham. go home now. In grammar school. Congratulations, Josh Graham. Woo! Yeah. You made that work. That was good. We've got Wake Forest baseball tickets that we're going to be giving away hmm. in the next hour. <laughs> I wish intern Luis was just in here still. That was his last day, the same day as Robbie. Mm. And I wish Luis was in here so I could ask him a question, and then Will just does this. Swing, swing, swing. Miss that, dude. So when you hear that sound, that's your cue to call in. 336-777-1600. Not right now. Mm-mm. 777-1600. You can win tickets to go see Louisville play Wake Forest this coming Sunday. You are listening to WSGS Winston-Salem, Greensboro, and High Point. BDOT hanging out in studio with us for a little bit longer. BDOT's the top of the hour, 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So what do the people need to do? Throw them foes Brought to you by Budget Blinds of North Winston-Salem and Mount Airy. Serving Northern Forsyth, Stokes, and Surrey Counties. Online at BudgetBlinds.com. Yes, BudgetBlinds.com. You can find them. Budget Blinds presents window treatments that can provide security and energy efficiency. That's always an important thing. Things that you might not think about unless you're a parent or like a an owner of a pet. They offer like cordless options. If you have a child. And you want pet safety as well. That's a, Those are some things that uh, you have to consider whenever you're getting anything. But especially blinds, that qualifies too. Budgetblinds.com. You can find them. A sponsor of the Big Four. Now, Will's throwing things at us now in the Big Four. What is number four? Canes took a 2-0 lead against Boston as they transition back to Boston. You've been catching that, Dot? Yeah, Dot. No. To get into the canes, man. I saw my boy uh, Coach Moten was the one that, right? Yeah, wasn't that Revved cool? Them up, had the the siren before the yeah, game. Yeah, the siren. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says they're four and zero when he does That's that. That's right. Yeah, Dave Doran earlier said he's undefeated as well. He's angling to try and get it. Mm-hmm. I think he Aquano even said in his post draft interview, never done the cane siren. Just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. That's hot. They canes. Got- they outscored. They've outscored Boston between the regular and the postseason twenty six. To four, B dot. Twenty six to four in five games. Are they? Oh, wow. Sixteen to one going into. They're the wedding the block. 
<laughs> they are wetting the block, Josh. And Barry Melrose, who covers the NHL for ESPN, he said going into the series that he felt the Canes were an underdog to win the title. But to me, I think underdog is like, throw that out. Like, they're not an underdog. They're a favorite. I see. I would think. I think there are four teams, maybe five, that can win the Stanley Cup. But the Canes are one of them. You got the Canes. You got the Florida Panthers, who have a big game two tonight against Washington. Uh, can't really rule out Tampa. They've won the last two Stanley Cups. Um, and then beyond that, it's Colorado, probably. And who am I forgetting about? Forgetting about somebody. In the Eastern Conference, that's really good. Nah, those are probably the four. Those are probably the four that are really good. B-Dot, you need to get on the Kane circuit. I might try to do that, but I'll tell you, like, I like the underdog route. Like, stay under the radar. Like, oh, continue yeah. to let people think you're the underdog mm-hmm. and then come out there and smack them all over the ice. I'm I like with you on that Kane's. What's number three on the big four today? Speaking of Iki Aquanu and NC State things, we had Dave Dorn on earlier on, a little while ago, and he talked about many things with you, Josh, but one of the things that he discussed was the Jordan Addison stuff that's going on with Pittsburgh. Before you play the clip, and we he was the Blitnikoff Award winner last year. <laughs> yeah, did you know, did you you know, know Josh had a hand in that? Yeah, Josh gets a vote for the Blitnikoff Award. We know. Did you enjoy know. the part that I told Coach Doran that? I mean, we locked cool? eyes as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as he, he said, said it. Said like, it. Are you going to bring that up to Coach Forbes? Or are you going to bring that up to Coach Doran? Yeah, I'm going to. Here, here's Coach Doran. You know, it worries me that uh, the tampering that's occurring more than anything. Um, you know, if a young man's not happy where he is or, and wants to go somewhere else or needs a fresh start, I, I'm not against that at all. Um, but when other universities uh, are potentially contacting that athlete through other means and using financial gain to lure them off of the campus, that to me is the opposite of what should be happening on our sport. And so that's it's concerning. You know, I feel for Pitt. You know, they recruited that young man and developed him and turned him into a Blitnikoff award winner with his hard work and their coaching staff, and now he's not there. Yeah, Blitnikoff award. He's so proud of it. He should be. <laughs> Jordan Addison should be. Very proud of that award, and I'm a proud voter. Uh, BDOT, um, have you heard about this story, that this kid, Blitnikoff award winner at Pitt, best wide receiver in college football, and right before the deadline to enter the portal, he the rumors come out that he's being offered $3 million by someone associated with USC to get into the portal and join Lincoln Riley out where you were at. Hmm. And Pat Narduzzi called Lincoln Riley, upset about it apparently a couple of times, hmm. saying that that's clearly tampering. We All have right. this guy who's a great player, and you're just trying to farm us for talent. And that's a problem. And apparently college sports leaders are descending on Washington, D.C. to try and see if there's a congressional way they can try to prevent this type of tampering from happening. Listen, Josh Graham, the NIL has opened the floodgates for everything. Like all of the dirty stuff that was happening behind the scenes is just coming to the forefront now. Like folks was getting backdoor and done greasy paws. Way before we got wind of any of this stuff. But the NILs are just put on the forefront. You got the kid, what's my man, Wong, leaving yeah, from Isaiah Miami. Wong. Yeah, because he won more NIL money. Like, that's just, they warned us that this would come. Just the issues with NILs and how, you know, certain schools can offer more money towards certain athletes and such and such. Like, how do you combat that? But here's, you know what's combo love and something we just didn't consider when it happened? Would this have happened if the rule was still in place that you could not transfer somewhere immediately? Like, if you transferred somewhere and you had to sit out a year, would Jordan, would USC be thinking about doing this? Would Jordan Addison even be thinking about leaving? Probably not. Right. So, I I don't know how you put some of this back in the tube. I am with you. A lot of this stuff that's now being played out in public probably was, uh, was already happening behind the scenes. Number two on the big four is what? For the first time in a little while, there are no NBA games tonight. None. What are you doing, NBA? Nothing. How? Like, really? how? How do you? None. You have, like, three games in one night or two. In one, how do you go a night with not having any NBA basketball? Like, the, it's not hard. Someone the in the league office game? messed up. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So, like, 
I get you have road travel mm. and things like that, but come on. How do you, from a television perspective, just say, you know what? Thursday night, which, by the way, used to be the 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 national TV slot <laughs> for what we've been primed to think is the night for NBA basketball oh. since October. Nothing? Nothing tonight. It's just hockey. So Dot's going to watch Pittsburgh play the Rangers tonight. No, he's not. <laughs> he said not tonight. No, he's not. I'm about to start my binge on Outer Banks. There you go. Yeah, I got a binge on Outer Banks. I got to watch. I got. I'm looking for somebody to start binging with me. Somebody who has not watched Outer Banks to start with go. the very first. Season. I'm not watching it. There you don't, go. Don't right there next to you. I'm not Come watching on. it. Come I'm on, Josh. We can start and binge it. And, How many and Carolina time, fans haven't seen it? Like you just get those folks. Get your fellow Carolina fans. I mean, I can, but you know the reason why you're doing this. Of course. Which is what. That guy. Armando's on season three. And I told him, I said, listen, because you're on, I'm going to binge the first two seasons so I can be caught up by the time he makes his grand appearance. I think you'll like it. Pretty good. I heard it's like, you know, a treasure hunt for kids to shop at Hollister. (laughs) I used to wear Hollister. (laughs) I used to wear Hollister. That's such a great nutshell (laughs) of what it actually is. I don't care. (laughs) What's number one on the big four? Three wildlife officers in Kenya were somewhat alarmed when they approached what appeared to be a lion and it was actually just a bag in the bushes that had the face of a lion on it. <laughs> oh, wow. How often does that happen where like you're walking around outside and you see, you just see like a Walmart bag of some kind and you yeah. think that it's something that it's not? Yeah, it does happen. I'm always optimistic that one of those bags are filled with money. Right. And like a drug dealer just stashed it right go. there. And like he's coming back for it, but I'm just going to take it. <laughs> yeah. And then that drug dealer is going to find you and hurt you. No, 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 no. Why does that? That's not going to happen in my hypothetical story. In my hypothetical story, I move off and live happily ever, ever like the Jeff- Jeffersons. It is you amazing how people that. might just immediately default to the worst thing happening. Yeah. I remember my freshman year at East Carolina, there was a shooter situation where everybody got locked down. Everybody. It was scary. We were locked down for like a couple of hours, like big time. And then we figured out that it was just a guy with an umbrella walking around campus. (laughs) And everybody for Halloween, like a month or so later, dressed up as Umbrella Man. (laughs) (laughs) Umbrella Man. (laughs) Oh, ECU. Yes, that ECU education. And that's the big four for today brought to you by our friends at budget blinds okay dot in studio we've got wake forest baseball tickets that we're going to give away and next hour (laughs) those wake baseball tickets presented by our friends at haviland express swing South Kernersville, Highway 66, Mac Allen's got it going on over there. Pay them a visit. They're your local one-stop shop for your vehicle's repair, maintenance, and now cleaning with turbo wash and hand detailing car wash options. Pay them a visit. Highway 66, South Kernersville. This is for Louisville and Wake Forest on Sunday. Kyle hit me on Twitter. Kyle, the Amazon driver, Josh. What did Kyle say? Says, Kyle, the Amazon driver here. I am, in fact, not a backwoods guy. I told you, they're so harsh on the throat. Big shout to Swisher, man. Red Pack, two for 99 cents. A Charlotte Bobcats great, if there is such a thing, had some fighting words towards a candidate for the Charlotte Hornets job. Uh-oh. And we'll get to those next on The Drive.